Welcome back to our study of 1 Kings. We are in 1 Kings chapter 12 today, beginning in verse 25 down to verse 33, as we get to learn what kind of king Jeroboam is going to be. Remember we saw last time that the kingdom of Israel was divided in two. Ten tribes now belong to Jeroboam, the ten tribes of Israel, and one tribe, the tribe of Judah, has remained with Rehoboam. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. And this happened, as we know, uh, as a result of Solomon's sin. God told Solomon that this was going to happen ahead of time, and this is a consequence of Solomon's turning from the Lord. And so the kingdom has been divided. Israel in the north, ten tribes. Uh, Judah in the south, one tribe, maybe two. And uh, got Jeroboam as king in the north, Rehoboam as king in the south. What kind of king is Jeroboam going to be? Let's find out beginning in verse 25. It says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. So far, so good. Verse 26, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Now, this is what I call Jeroboam's perceived problem. This is what he thinks the problem is, and he's going to try to address it. But the way he addresses it is going to be his real problem. Here's what he thinks the problem is. He's afraid that the ten tribes that have just aligned themselves with him or proclaimed him to be their king, he's afraid that they are going to go back to the house of David. Of course, David, then Solomon, and now Rehoboam. He's afraid they're going to go back to Rehoboam, who's the king in Judah. Now, why is he afraid of this? Is it because he has forgotten God's promise? Remember that God sent a prophet to Jeroboam to tell him that he was going to be the king over these ten tribes. And God told him, this is from chapter 11, verse 38, God told him, if you will listen to all that I command you and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as David my servant did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David and I will give Israel to you. So that's what God told him he would do. But Jeroboam appears to have forgotten that promise or to not be believing that promise. So he's afraid that he's not going to have a sure and stable kingdom. He's afraid that Israel is not going to belong to him, but that Israel is going to drift back to Rehoboam. Forgetting God's promises is often the first step towards something sinful. Forgetting or failing to believe what God has told us he will do is often the first step toward doing something sinful. All right, we'll see if that turns out to be the case with Jeroboam. There's another possible explanation for why he's responding this way. Maybe he didn't forget. Maybe he's focusing on the next part of God's promise 
and is trying to outmaneuver God. The next part of God's promise to Jeroboam in 1 Kings 11.39 was this. He said, And I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. So maybe Jeroboam is already thinking, okay, God said he's not going to afflict the house of David. He's not going to afflict Rehoboam and so on forever. How long am I going to get to be king? And if that's kind of the way he's interpreting that and the way that he's thinking about that, then maybe he's sort of trying to out outmaneuver God. Well, wait a minute, okay, what if God is going to bring these tribes back to Rehoboam pretty quickly? Is there a way I can stop that? That's always dangerous too. We can never outsmart or outmaneuver God and trying to is always foolish and sinful. So Jeroboam is uh, afraid of something that he ought not be afraid of. But he is afraid of it. And how he addresses that fear is going to show us what kind of king he is. Alright, so let's pick it up now. Verse 28. So, the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold, your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Then this thing became a sin, for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. So let's stop right there. What does Jeroboam decide to do to address his fear, right? Instead of trusting the Lord's promise, instead of trusting that God is good and that his plan is good, Jeroboam tries to come up with his own plan. He tries to solve this perceived problem, this uh, thing that he's afraid of. And the way that he does that is by forming his own religion by leading Israel into idolatry. So this ought to sound really familiar because this has happened before. Remember when God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments, and then what happened? Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, and he was up there for a while, and people started looking around, wondering when Moses was going to come back. They said, we don't know when this guy's going to come back. Aaron, make for us gods to go before us. And so what did Aaron do? He took from the people their earrings and whatnot. He melted down the gold. He fashioned a golden calf. And in Exodus 32, 4 and 5, it says, He received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, that sounds like what Jeroboam has just said, right? In verse 28, Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He is repeating Aaron's error. The people thought they had lost their leader. They didn't know what had happened to Moses. And instead of trusting the God who had spoken to them, they asked Aaron to make for them another God or an image of God, right? Which God had explicitly told them not to do in the Ten Commandments. So um, they may have thought they were worshiping the one God through that image, but it was an act of idolatry, right? Jeroboam is doing the same thing. He's claiming that they're worshiping the God who brought them out of Egypt, 
by worshiping these calves. But in fact, they are not because the God who brought them out of Egypt, one, is not a calf, not an idol uh, made of gold. And second of all, that God explicitly said, you do not, you cannot worship me through graven images, which is what Jeroboam has just told the people to do. So he's repeating Aaron's error, and he's doing this in order to try to keep the people from going to Jerusalem for worship. Notice, it says in verse 29 that he put one in Bethel, <clears throat> one in Bethel and one in Dan. Why did he do that? Dan is in the northern part of Israel, just about as far north as you could go. And Bethel is more in the southern part of Israel. And the idea is no matter where you are in Israel, you could go to Dan or you could go to Bethel and you wouldn't have to go down to Jerusalem. And so he's trying to prevent the people of Israel from going to Jerusalem to worship. Because remember, he was afraid, in verse 27, if this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So he doesn't want them going down to Jerusalem to worship because he's afraid if they keep going back to Jerusalem to worship, eventually their hearts are going to stay there and they're going to return to the king. He doesn't want that, so he makes his own religion. He fashions these two golden calves, sets them up in the northern and southern part of Israel so that wherever his people are, it's probably more convenient to go to Bethel or to Dan than it is to go to Jerusalem. And he doesn't stop there. All right, uh, verse 31. He also made temples on high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not of the Levites. And Jeroboam appointed a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he had made. He went up to the altar that he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart, and he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went up to the altar to make offerings. So not only has he fashioned his own idols, but he has crafted his own rival religion to prevent his people from going back to Jerusalem. He's not only got his own gods that he has made, he's got his own temples, he's got his own priests, and he's got his own feast. So he built temples, it says. Um, verse 31, he also made temples on high places. Remember, uh, one of the great things that Solomon did was he built a temple to the Lord in Jerusalem. And uh, so what does Rehoboam do? He builds his own temples on the high places, his own rival temples. He also appoints his own priests. Remember, God had appointed um, the priests from the tribe of Levi and the sons of Aaron were the priests of the people. And uh, we're told that Jeroboam appointed his own priests who weren't from the tribe of Levi, who weren't from among the Levites. He also made his own feast. Right? God uh, had instructed Israel about three feasts in particular that they were supposed to celebrate each year and that um, they were supposed to, uh, the males were supposed to go up to uh, Jerusalem each year for each of these feasts. Well, what does Rehoboam do? Well, he sets up his own feast. 
right? Uh, so, and th this also is something Aaron did in Exodus 32. After he fashioned the golden calf and said, these, and the people said, these are your gods. It says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. Sounds familiar. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Who said? Did God say that? No, Aaron made that up. Right? Rehoboam has done the same thing. He's got his own worship going on, his own idol, his own feasts, and he's got his own priests. All of this he has fashioned for himself. The key phrase in one way here is um, in verse 33 when it's talking about the feast and it says, um, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. That's pretty much what, Rehob, uh, excuse me, what Jeroboam is doing. He is devising these things from his own heart, his own temples, his own priests, his own gods, his own feast. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And we don't have to wonder how this is going to go. We know how this is going to go because we have seen it before in Exodus 32. Idolatry among God's people brings judgment. Idolatry, idolatry brings judgment. This is going to bring God's wrath down upon the people of Israel. This is a terrible beginning, not only for Jeroboam, but also for the kingdom that he has been given in these 10 tribes. Solomon turned from the Lord, and that is why God gave these tribes to Jeroboam. Now Jeroboam has received these tribes, and what does he do? Does he believe God's promise? Does he walk in God's ways? No. He, like Solomon, turns away from the Lord. And so we know what's going to happen. We know this is not going to go well for Jeroboam. In fact, Jeroboam becomes notorious throughout the book of 1 Kings. So learn the lessons of Solomon and Jeroboam. Do not turn from the Lord. Trust in his promises and walk in his ways. And when you step off that path, repent and ask forgiveness and seek his mercy and get back on the path. Because when you turn from the Lord, you invite his discipline, if not his judgment. And none of us want that. We know we need his mercy. We want his grace. And for that, we must turn to him and trust him. Amen.